a loss for Syracuse to St. John's in game two of the Empire Classic at the Barclays Center. We're going to talk positives. We're going to talk negatives, sure. But uh, overall, I'd say it was a positive performance from the Orange, considering that was the best game they played this year. Uh, And we'll get more into that on Locked On Syracuse. It starts right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte with you here on your Wednesday edition of Lockdown Syracuse. Thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. They help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Lockdown College. That's LinkedIn.com slash Lockdown College to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, All right, let's talk about this game. Um, I don't know if uh, any of you guys were at the game. I was at both. Um, it was a really, really great atmosphere for both. I will say, you know, with it being in St. John's backyard, there are a lot of Johnny's fans there tonight. I'd say they outweighed the SU fans, or at least that's what I thought from where I was sitting. Uh, maybe you'd have a different perspective on it. But uh, there are a lot of fans there for both sides, uh, maybe not as much as we're used to from past years where it's just a sea of orange in the crowd, but that's what some a losing season last year and some potentially still covid things going on uh, will get you. But regardless, Johnny's won 76-69. They are 6-0 and on the season. Haven't played a Big East game yet, of course. Syracuse falls to 3-2. and um, let's start with the positives and, and the positives are that this was Judah Mintz's best game by far, quite easily his best showcase and case for being a one and done. The kid was fantastic in the first half. I mean, he was electric in the first half, uh, 20 points on the game, a couple of really crazy passes, uh, and some nifty, nifty moves. And I think what it did for me was just kind of solidify him in that spot as that's the guy I want with the ball in his hands when the game's on the line. That's not how it ended up. Of course, Saimir took the shot uh, that could have won the game for Syracuse instead of sending it to overtime. I don't really know what happened there. Maybe we'll get an explanation from Jim on that as the week goes along. Uh, but that last shot, from where I was sitting, I thought it might have gone in, but uh, with Simeon shooting it, I didn't have a ton of confidence. Either I thought the inbounds play should have been to Judah, into Jesse. He draws a double, kick it out to Chris Bell, who was shooting the lights out uh, for some of that game, or, or kick it out to somebody who can shoot instead of Simeon driving inside, whatever. Um, but Judah was fantastic in this game. He, he, of course, the wheels fell off a little bit for him. He's 18 years old. He's bound to dribble off his foot sometimes, and he's going to get tired, which he certainly did. But his the emotion he showed in that game made me such a huge fan of his. 
Um, I mean, other than just clearly wanting to win with everything he had, the kid plays the game with so much heart. It's hard not to love him. I mean, he is just a really, really high-flying player. He's so fantastic. He was good. Um, Jesse had a really good game, perfect at the free throw line, which was crucial at times. Didn't foul out, came close, but didn't. He talked about in the post-game press conference how he thought the refs were a little bit unjust in what they were calling. I don't know. I thought some of them were fouls. Some of them maybe were a little bit questionable, but regardless, he gets through it. I mean, he had a really, really tough assignment tonight uh, in Joel Soriano, who is huge. He's got pounds on Jesse, and the guy's an animal underneath. I mean, he is a really just, you know, he's going to go inside, move you around, and just dunk on your head. And he did that plenty tonight against both uh, Jesse and Monier, but uh, I thought they did a good job of playing some solid defense on him when they could, uh, and they definitely adapted to it because at first they were just getting slammed on by him, uh, and then they started to block some of those shots, contest him at the rim, and I was really pleased uh, in how they adapted. Um, but with that being said, that's kind of where the really high positives end because this was a really heartbreaking game, and I think all of us know that, I mean, before I do go to the negatives, Benny also played a great game. 11 and 10, best game of his career at Syracuse. Fantastic. Um, but we all know where I'm going with the negatives. And I think everybody was screaming it during the game, whether it was at him or in person or at your television or your radio. Joe Girard quite possibly just played his worst game at Syracuse University. I mean, that was terrible. He was awful. One for 10 from the field, four points three turnovers, and one for 10. I mean, that's crazy, man. But the worst of all is he played 38 minutes. I don't understand how Jim can justify Joe playing 38 minutes in a game like this. I get it that you need certain guys on the floor at some times, and you're going off of there needs to be a shooter out there and whatnot. I totally understand that. I do. And I understand, too, that Joe's going to have his games where he hits shots you didn't think he could, and he's going to go out there and drop 30 like he did last night, Monday night, 31 points, a career high into, and that was a great first half he played on Monday night against Richmond. He was fantastic. 21 points in the first half. He was great. But he's also going to have games where he plays physical opponents that he just cannot play against. And today that was Posh Alexander and Andre Curbelo. And they locked him up, dude. They locked him up. And if I'm Beheim, I don't know how you justify leaving him in. Again, he's going to have his good games. He's going to have his bad games. But when he has his bad games, I don't really understand why you can't sub him. You have four point guards on this team. You have four guys that could be patrolling the top of that zone, Joe included. You've got Joe, Judah, Saimir, Quadir. Okay? Three of those guys are incredibly startable. I mean, Saimir maybe not. They're incredibly playable. Quidir's a question mark, but he could have, even him, I think, would have been better than what we saw from Joe. Joe had a couple nice plays. He had that transition three that he cashed that was the most Joe Gerard shot of all time in which I was screaming, hate it, hate it, hate it. He splashed it, still hated it, uh, but I was glad he hit it. Um, but, I mean, even from that first airballed layup he had where it seemed like he had an easy two, you see, it seemed like something was off. I mean, when he goes against defenders like that, that he knows that could just swat the ball out of the gym right out of his hands, I think it's probably a little bit intimidating, but 
He probably wouldn't tell you that. Um, it, it was just tough to watch him out there. And every time he took out Saimir for Joe or, or Judah for Joe, it was a real head scratcher because they were playing so well. Saimir wasn't incredible tonight, but at least with him, I know he's not going to force a shot every time down the floor, you know? So also when you have a guy like Judah, who's going to put up 20 in a game like this, I don't really think you need to have Joe out there the entire time. I get that you want another shooter and that Samir isn't that guy and neither is Quadir. But Chris Bell hit some really uh, impressive shots in that game. I saw more from him than I think we've seen on the offensive end this season. I mean, he was really good at times. Didn't finish great on the day. 5 of 12 from the field, 2 of 7 from 3. But a couple of those, those threes he hit, were really impressive. He had that one shot at the end of the shot clock that I was incredibly impressed by. Why not give him a couple more shots? I get another, a freshman, but if your guy that you're supposed to rely on and Joe, your senior, your leader, it just doesn't have it. Why keep forcing it? Why not figure, figure it out. Give it to somebody else. Benny was good tonight. Again, 11 points, 10 rebounds. He was solid on the inside. Jesse made some really crazy plays underneath the basket. I was impressed by him too, but it just won't work. If you, I mean, both teams couldn't shoot. It, it was kind of a classic Big East game where nobody's got a good field goal percentage, but it's chaos, it's great defense, and it's a lot of fun to watch. I'll talk about defense a little bit longer after this break that is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Go add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Now, before we do get into the defense talk, I actually want to talk about the rotation a little bit. Um, because we heard before the season that Beheim was going to play nine or ten guys, which I think we all were like, all right, you're going to play nine or ten guys, sure. Uh, and that's that reaction was likely warranted. He played eight today. Um, only seven got more than ten minutes. Quidier Copeland, the odd man out there, he only had eight. Uh, but they had a team. I mean, you've got guys on the bench in Malik Brown, Peter Carey and uh, Justin Taylor. Those are the the, the playable guys there. I, uh, yeah, I said Malik Brown. Um, I don't really know what the plan is there. I mean, he's not going to run 10 guys. We all kind of know that by now. I mean, he never, like, I don't understand why he said that. There's no way he's going to run 10 guys. If Justin isn't playable this year, we just won't see him. And he keeps talking about, in each press conference after the game, he keeps talking about, oh, Chris Bell's not going to play if he doesn't rebound, blah, 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 blah. All right, well, didn't seem like it to me. You left him out there for how many minutes? He had 35 minutes tonight. I think he's going to play. <laughs> uh, and Justin Taylor didn't get a sniff of game time. Neither did Malik Brown. 
it seems to me like he's he's slowly forming the guy the rotation um and I, I think i liked what he did tonight i think that those are the best players available i like malik a lot i haven't seen anything i've liked from justin taylor yet really but i don't know where malik fits in for this team because if benny's having a good night i don't really want him off the floor you know so that's where it gets a little dicey in terms of what benny's going to do i mean benny played all 45 minutes tonight the kid didn't come off the floor so is every night going to be like that? If he has a down game, that's probably where you'll see Malik. Um, but I don't think those guys have huge roles cut out for them. And maybe that's a surprise considering this is the greatest class in the history of Syracuse Orange basketball. Quote from Jim Beheim, circle last year's media day. Um, but let's talk about the defense and one man in particular. It was Monir Hima's world, man. He was an animal. I mean, I loved what I saw from Monir. And this guy, maybe everybody saw him transfer in the summer and was like, great, Syracuse got another tall guy that just puts his arms up and is nothing special, a la Barama Sidibe or Pascal Chuku. No, man. No. Monir Hima is here to play, and I love watching him do it. I mean, he was fantastic in this game seven blocks seven of them he was great it, it felt crazy to know that Syracuse could take off could take the starting center out of the game and have a guy come in and actually make an impact and you wouldn't have to you know walk on eggshells around him in terms of uh, how you feel about him because Monier played great. I mean, how about that one sequence where he gets a put-back dunk on one end and he blocks Soriano on the other? I mean, he was an animal. I mean, you have to really respect him on the inside because he could do it. Um, eight rebounds for him, two, four fouls, so he nearly did foul out. But, you know, early in the year, we can work these things out. I don't need him to score. I hated that one shot he took at, like, the free throw line. That was really dumb. Because they, I think it was an offensive board. He had Judah wide open on the right wing. He takes a dumb shot, of course, misses it. Uh, and Judah's like, why did you do that? <laughs> um, but, you know, other than that, I thought he was fantastic. I know we got a Twitter question about Monier. I don't, like, it is really an asset for Syracuse to have a center you can throw out there for 20 minutes, and he's actually very good. Jesse played, Jesse had 18 and 8 in this game, which is all he needs. If he, if Jesse puts up eighteen and eight in every game, and Joe puts up like twenty, they they could win. They could win all the time. Um, it's just about them doing it at the same time. Kind of the same thing from when uh, it was the Joe Elijah Hughes and Buddy show, where none of them worked at the same time. It was one of them or two of them, but they would never all get it going at the same time. If Jesse and Joe can really play well together each night, Syracuse has a chance to win every single night. I'm telling you. Um, but my point is, I, sorry, I got on a tangent there. Uh, Jesse, 18 and 8 tonight. He only played 26 minutes. If he can do that in 26 minutes and you can take him off and bring Monier on, he can play 20 minutes, you're golden. Golden. So that is a it's a revelation, Monier Hema. Uh, very, very happy he, he's turned out to be as good as he's been because, like I said, I don't think anybody thought he was going to be more than, you know, just your average big. Um. But anyway, let's get to some Twitter questions because I want to hear what the people have to say. Um, 
Fire Dino at Saltine Warrior 4. That is a Twitter handle. I'm not making the claim. He says, why does Syracuse continue to have no offensive sets? It's passed around the ball till there's five seconds left, then play ISO ball. Watch Virginia Tech and how they screen and move the ball. It's a thing of beauty and defensively zero adjustments to getting killed inside. I thought there were some adjustments to getting killed inside. I didn't think that's true. I think they talked about that and they stopped him at some level. I mean, the guy's tough to stop. They made some really nice passes, the Johnnies did, uh, and they got him open for a couple of those. But on the offensive end, you're absolutely right. But that's been the identity of Syracuse's offense for as long as I've known. And I mean, I've been on this earth for almost 22 years now. And obviously a lot of the people who are listening can maybe double or triple that. So maybe you can attest, but I've never watched Syracuse basketball and thought like, wow, what a beautiful set they ran right there. It's the same thing every year. Uh, and you couldn't do it last year because you didn't have a guy who could drive. But think about the last five years of Syracuse basketball when it was the offense was literally Tyus, take the ball to the free throw line and see if you can take a floater. If not, O'Shea, get the rebound and jam it. If that doesn't work, kick out and find a three. Kind of. I mean, that's just what it is. That's what it was. Last year, obviously, it was a little bit different. There were more passes, whatever. But I'd like to see the ball get into the hands of a shooter wide open. Like I like I agree with you. Why don't they run sets? Why don't they throw some I don't see one off ball screen tonight. How about some off ball screens? Get some shooters open. If you're going to have a team that can shoot the basketball, it's not going to work if you're just one on one on the wing. It's not going to happen. You've got to find a guy wide open. Set a screen for Chris Bell. Get him open on the wing. Cash a three. I guarantee he's got a good chance of hitting it. That guy has great touch. Um I agree 100% that they've got to figure something out on offense that isn't just waste a shot clock. Because there were a couple times tonight where it seemed like they didn't realize how much time they had. That Jesse turnover, shot clock violation, it was bad. Uh, And Judah a couple times scrambling with the ball. Samir did that once. I mean, they were were tough on offense a couple of times where it just seemed like they didn't really know what they were doing. Um, So I agree. Um, Let's get to a couple other ones. Thoughts on Monier gave you those. Uh, this guy says they look so frantic at the end of the game on offense. No set play. Same thing. Yeah, I mean, when you think about that last shot, I, I haven't watched the post-game press conference. I heard a couple of things that were said. But um, I wonder if anybody asked, why did Saimir have the ball in his hands? That would have been my question. Why? I mean, if they, maybe they had a play that didn't work, but it was really weird. You know, Jesse had the ball. He went down there. He gave it off. It, it was really odd. Simir had no idea what was going on. Jacked up a shot. But if you're going to sit there and tell me that you've ever been confident in Syracuse coming out of a huddle, that a, a Bayheim drawn up play, I think you'd totally be lying. I have never once, maybe once, but it has rarely ever happened that Syracuse comes out of the huddle with a Bayheim drawn up play and it works to perfection. Like how it never happens. It really never happens. I, I wouldn't call Bayheim like the greatest X's and O's coach when it comes to no huddle, when it comes to drawing up a play on the sideline for an inbound. I mean, think about the Buffalo game from a couple of years ago where Alan Griffin had that crazy block. They threw it into Marek and he like, threw it away like it was just didn't like it it never it just i'm never confident in what's going on there um i'd love for him to prove me wrong and to become the greatest 
you know, there is in the game today. Maybe he was great at one point, but right now a lot of those plays don't work. Um, and that one didn't tonight. All right, let's take one more quick break, and then we'll continue some Twitter questions. This one brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. Got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, let's continue here on Locked On Syracuse. Uh, talking last play, some defense, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> this guy, Mike, says, so here's some perspective. They've played five games. Team is way better in New York than anything we'd seen before that. Gerard won the game Monday, one of his weaker games tonight, probably the weakest. Jesse hasn't stayed out of foul trouble, but he never picked up number five. St. John's pressure shortened the clock to about 22 seconds. One of the learning elements is that they waited too long to get the ball moving toward the basket, blah, 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 blah. Bell and Williams made shots, kept us in it early, blah, 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 blah. Um. Yeah, I mean, that perspective is important because I think a lot of people are going to hit the panic button. But, you know, St. John's is a good team. They are. They're going to go to they, – they have a really good shot at going to the tournament this year. They're a really, really solid team. Andre Carbello coming over there, he was an animal. Um, but, yeah, you do have to have some perspective in this game because they looked great today. And they looked terrible in the Colgate game. But, yeah, of course they did because that was the – what the third time, the second time they'd ever played together in a competitive game that wasn't an exhibition game. Sure. They were going to look bad against a team that's been together for three to four years. Um, obviously Syracuse more talented, but sometimes it just doesn't matter. Uh, I think they're going to be fine, but it's going to take them to ACC play till they get there. Uh, and are they going to struggle? Are they going to have tough losses like this one? Maybe sure. I mean, you have to expect that, but I think, that you should also expect this team to gel really, really nicely. And once they find their identity, uh, I think they're going to be really good. But you're also going to have Joe Girard days where he goes one for 10 from the field. I mean, it was, it, but it's that's the crazy thing about Joe, right? Is that he can, I mean, this guy said it in the tweet, he can go from giving you 31. It's a career high for him, by the way, 31 winning you the game pretty much single-handedly. I mean, he was awesome in that game. And then the next night having the worst performance he's had since I don't even know what. So that's your issue. And if that's going to go unnavigated all year and Bayheim's just going to let Joe keep shooting when he's been when he's missed his last 10, that's where you're going to have problems. And I think it's clear as day that, that that's the story. Uh, but, hey, that's the that's the the predicament that Syracuse fans have lived in for almost what is it four years now, where Joe's just hucking up shots, and I think we all knew a little bit that that's what the offense would be this year because there's nobody, there's no Cole Swider, there's no anybody to take his shots away, um, because other than Bell on the floor, who's the only he's the only you know shooter. Judas a great slasher, he can hit the mid range shot, but he doesn't take threes or hit them all that much. Joe's a shooter. Bell's a shooter. Those guys are going to take shots. Everybody else should work on an inside game. Um, 
So that's what you're going to get out of Joe this year. There's going to be tough times with Joe. I won't lie. I mean, I'm I'm sick of him. I'm sick of these as just as much as everybody else's. It's hard to watch when Joe's bad. When Joe is bad, there's almost nothing worse. It sucks. It really is just the worst. But AM's going to let him keep playing. You know he is. That's the brutal part. So if he wouldn't, I think things would be different. I mean, if you're really going to sit there and tell me that Quadir Copeland wouldn't have made, perhaps made more of an impact, at least defensively, than Gerard did, you're wrong. You're wrong because Joe's a zero on defense. He might be a bit of a leader and he might like get everybody to start cheering, which works sometimes, but not in a in a low capacity um place like that. Or not capacity, just weren't a lot of people there. Um but he's small, he shooting bricks. I don't understand what Behind I mean, he's gotta be playing like the we need another shooter out there kind of thing. Sure. But it just doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe it does to you. Let me know if it does. But that's all the time I've got for you on this edition of Lockdown Syracuse. Thanks for making it your first listen. For your next, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. I'm Matt Bonaparte. Owen will be back tomorrow with me. Um, I'll probably talk some more basketball, and then we'll get into some football eventually, this BC game, potentially some bowl games for bowl game talk for uh, the football team, but it's basketball season, and I am excited. Uh, You should be too, but uh, I'll see you tomorrow.